So in week one, you remember Dean, right? You guys remember Dean, those who were here or watched online? Dean, tall, slender Dean, he was up here preaching. It was great to see him preach. He did, did a great job. And um, if you remember, there was a graph involved. You might not even have been able to see it quite clearly from where you were seated out there, but there was this graph involved, and it kind of showed these converging lines where, you know, people of God, people that claim to be Christians, uh, were kind of up here on the graph at the, at the higher percentile, and people who claim no religion were kind of down here, and then somewhere around 2012, it kind of did one of these, and it flipped. You guys remember that? And we talked about how, how uh, social media and was really maybe part of that. At least we, we, can, we can see how, boy, everybody's got their opinion out there on social media, Right? And, and if you, if you want to find someone to agree with you on social media, you can very easily do it, right? And so here's the problem, though, that, that unless it is in alignment with God's word, as Christians, we know, well, your, your opinion's great, but it might just be wrong, right? And Dean was up here, and he did a great job. He, he had this clever intro where he, atta- uh, where he uh, played off this whole culture wars thing with Star, with Star Wars. Remember that, the Star Wars trivia? Who, we do have some Star Wars fans in here, right? Yeah. And, and, he, and then he, he gave us all the Star Wars trivia, and then he, um, I th- oh yeah, he claimed he wasn't a Star Wars fan. And I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm buying that. And, and then I thought, well, wait a minute. I, I, know why, I know why Dean does not like Star Wars. And this is a little scandalous, but Pastor Dean Hoffman is actually a Sith Lord. I was like, it, it makes perfect sense. He's, he's, he's involved with HR, okay? So, so, <laughs> so he's, you know, HR executive pastor by day, evil empire Sith Lord by night. So, of course, he doesn't like the whole Star Wars series because the empire is always getting hammered, right? Um, but what was interesting is I had thought about how we had talked about social media, and um, it brought me back to 2010. There was a guy on Twitter, uh, I think he was a theologian, uh, 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 a student at a seminary or something, and he went through every, from 2010 to 2013, he went through every single chapter of the Bible, and he summarized it into a tweet on Twitter. And this is at the time when Twitter was like 140 words or less kind of thing. So I thought, hey, you know what? Culture's not always bad. Social media's not always bad, right? There's, there's good uh, out of it. So we're going to take a look here at, at chapter one, Twitter style. Here we go. 1 Peter chapter 1, in 140 characters or less, Peter, to the diaspora, and I had to look that word up, it just means to those that are scattered, God has given us new birth through Christ, the prophets told of us of his grace, so be holy in all your contact. And this is the, the, I think they call it a handle on Twitter, right? The handle here is at Bible Summer, you can go and check out the other other tweets here. So that was chapter 1, but Dean really talked about, uh, the, the title of that message was Trials, Truth About Trials. And we learned that, hey, we're, we're aliens in a foreign land, right? We learned that we should expect trials. And we learned that actually we should embrace trials because trials purify our faith. And we learned also that, hey, it's not forever. Trials aren't forever. We have a certain hope. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a certain hope. These trials aren't going to last forever. And then Brian spoke last week, and here's uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, two, Twitter style. It says, you are being built up to a 
to be a royal priesthood, submit to human authority, live as servants of God, follow Christ in his suffering. And, you know, Brian, the title of that message was Be This in Culture. It was about how do we behave in our culture. And he talked about our identity. He talked about being sub- submitting to human authority. And basically, you could, you could have summed up Brian's whole message with this. Christians, don't be a jerk, right? That's basically what he, what he said. Um, and, then, and then he gave some examples of him being a jerk. And I just got to say, Brian is a humble guy. And uh, the examples he gave, he can be way more of a jerk than what he actually talked about. Like, dry, he said, oh, I drive my car. Sometimes I cut people off. Oops. No, I, I've known Brian now for about four years. And um, we've played some golf together. He's a pretty competitive guy. He, um, he doesn't beat me that much, though. And I'm, not try- I'm, I'm just describing what happens. I'm not being boastful. And um, when we play golf together, uh, he, you know, when he does beat me, he does, I'd say, you know, man, seven, eight times out of ten, he'll, he'll beat me. But the other, the, other, the other times when he's not, he acts like we're not even playing a game. I'll say, oh, he'll, oh are we even keeping score, he'll say. And, and then, of course, if he beats me, he, he actually puts it up on his Twitter feed. So... <laughs> Anyway, but um, here's the thing. You know, Brian talked about not being a jerk, and it's important that we're not jerks. But we also have to understand that the Christian message is an offensive message. Have you thought about that ever? I mean, if no one ever takes offense, you might not be actually explaining this message properly. Because what the Christian message says is that essentially, hey, I, I see your sincere efforts even, but you're doing it wrong. I see this incredible burden on your back to, to, merit, to merit favor with God, but you, you can't do it that way. You have to come to God on his terms. You have to look at the cross. You have to look at what Jesus has done for you as opposed to what you can do to try to earn God's favor. And this is a Christian message. It's an exclusive message. It says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God, the Father, except through him. And this will offend people. Now, we shouldn't deliver it like jerks, right? We should be kind when we deliver it. But ultimately, um, it's a message of offense. There's actually a proverb. And if you're reading your Bible for the first time, you get to this proverb, you kind of scratch your head. It's 26 Uh, Proverbs 26, verse 4 and 5. And I'll I'll just paraphrase my best here. It basically says, Don't answer a fool in his foolishness, or you will be foolish yourself. And then the very next proverb says, Answer a fool in his foolishness, lest he think he wise. You're going, wait a minute, which one is it, Bible? I thought the Bible had no error, no contradiction. Well, it doesn't. This This is in context saying, look, you need to use discernment when you're speaking to people about the Lord, right? It's saying, hey, maybe the best place for this is not blasting out in social media. Maybe the best time to have these conversations is through those that you are in relationship with, with those that God has put on your heart and in your path. And as in, in prayer, by um, following the Holy Spirit's lead, you look for those opportunities to start these conversations with people, to lead them, to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. All right, so this week is really flowing right out of last week's message. And um, 
but it's just really more focusing on the family. So it's more about how are we to behave as Christians. And it's connected to the family. We're, we're calling this, this week's message Misinformation on the Family. And specifically, this is going to be really about husbands and, and wives particularly. So let's take a look at um, this question we need to ask as we look at 1 Peter chapter 3. How do we define family roles and the relationships of husbands and wives? Do we take our cues from Scripture or from the culture? Spoiler alert. <laughs> We're going to take our cues from the Scripture. Uh, let me run through some slides with you now, and we're going to take a look at these, these two columns, what the Bible says and misinformation on the family that the culture is trying to feed us, okay? But we're going to first run through the, the, the right side of what you uh, over the screen up there first. So let's look at this first one. I'm the boss of me. That's what culture is trying to say, right? I mean, it, it kind of almost sounds childish, doesn't it? I could do whatever I want. So that's number one. Okay, number two, beauty is skin deep. Certainly, certainly um, this is everywhere in culture, pervasive in culture. Beauty is skin deep. If you're not beautiful on the outside, you don't even really get a voice. Patriarchy is evil. Eh, maybe, sometimes it is. Let's move on. Men and women are the same. And finally, Christians are divided. This is what the culture is trying to say about the church. So now we're going to dig down on each one of these points a little bit. Let's look at the first one. I'm the boss of me. And now let's take a look at what the Bible says about that. We learned this last week. We need to submit to authority. This week in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, it starts verse 1 with this message. And let me just stay here. Ladies, don't even read this yet, okay? Because what I'm going to say is this is really the first cancel-worthy message of this series. I mean, so far, okay, we need to not be jerks to our neighbors. You know, the culture is going to say, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, you know, we're, we're, our identity needs to be in Christ. They, they wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, sure, go ahead and do you do you, right? But now we're going to get into some stuff that, look, I couldn't say this on the nightly news or I'd be canceled, right? And ladies, some of you in here are going to be like, this is cancel-worthy stuff. Let's read this one. 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 and 2. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. I wish I had a deep English accent for this one. That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. And I use the KJV here very purposefully, okay, because this was written in 1600. And I know some of you ladies are thinking it needs to go back to 1600, right? And, you're, and, and I'll say this even ladies in 1600, especially outside of the church, would have been like, uh, ye not submissive to thy own husband, are thee crazy? So, uh, okay, let's move on. I've got, we're going to look at this now in three different translations, okay? And maybe it'll get a less, little less cancel-worthy for you as we go on. This is the NLV. Wives, in the same way you submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they must 
be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Okay, a little better, right? Let's look at this next one. This is the Amplified Bible. And um, let me just give a little, a little insight to, around what the Amplified Bible is all about. The Amplified Bible is basically a Bible that um, includes, includes um, oh, what's the word? Uh, I have it written down. Oh, it, the, the commentary, the commentary. Think of the, if you have a study Bible and there's commentary on the bottom usually, the Amplified Bible basically puts the commentary kind of right into the message and they use synonyms to help expand the meaning. So let's take a look at what the Amplified Bible says here. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, subordinate, not as inferior, but out of respect for the responsibilities entrusted to husbands and their accountability to God. And so partnering with them so that even if some do not obey the word of God, they may be won over to Christ without discussion by the godly lives of their wives when they see your modest and respectful behavior together with your devotion and appreciation Love your husband, encourage him, and enjoy him as a blessing from God. A little better, right, ladies? All right, we're going to move back to the the NLV for just a moment. And we're just going to really look at this text, and just through a plain reading of this text, what is it saying, what is it not saying? First of all, Peter is directing this to wives. Wives, in the same way, submit to your husbands. Wives. In other words, this is a conversation between Peter and wives. In other words, husbands, this is an A and B conversation. See your way out. This is to wives. This is not to husbands to cherry pick this verse and try to manipulate and lord over your wives to get them to do stuff. That's not what this is at all. And honey, I'm sorry, I've done that to you before. This is not what this is saying. This is saying, wives, do this because of this relationship first, right? What else is it saying? Well, this particular verse is talking about wives. It would have been two two people who got married, okay? Two unbelievers, and and the wife would have come to know Christ and Peter is addressing these wives particularly, okay? And he's saying, look, you have an opportunity here. So this is a different perspective to look at this, right? You have a different opportunity. You can bring your unbelieving husband to Christ, not through words, but simply through the way you behave through coming under subjection to him. Now, again, just like last week when Brian shared, look, we're not called to come under subjection to a tyrannical government who asks us to do things that are not in alignment with who God is and his word. And it's no different for ladies. So in this instance, what you would have had is a, a basically a pagan husband who would have expected you to worship the pagan gods. Okay? No, not doing that. This is who Peter is speaking to. This is the, the context of, the, of this verse. Now, as I was working on this, um, I was sp- speaking through these verses in the house, and 
my girls overheard me and they said, what, what dad? What did you just say? Be, be under the authority of mom needs to be. I, I don't want to do that with my husband someday. What, what, what's this word? You can't, this word be in subject to, be under the authority of. And I, I'm like, well, girls, I'm, I'm just reading God's word here. And they had this visceral response to it. And we started talking about it. And they said to me, well, that's not how it is in our house. We feel like it's the other way around, like mom tells you what to do. <laughs> and at first, my, at first my, you know, my ego was a little bruised, and I kind of puffed my chest up. Hey, Valerie, go, go, go mow the lawn or something. No, I didn't say that. Um, but I, I thought about it, and I thought, no, that, that's actually good my daughter see it that way, right? If I would have been reading these verses and they said to me, High five, Dad. Way to, way to go. You really, you're really nailing this one with Mom. You're really putting her in her place every day. That would, be, that would be an issue. But that's not what this means. This, this me, word means to submit yourselves, mean, means a willingness to submit from the wife. It's not something that I'm involved in trying to make her do anything. It's about her relationship with Christ. Now, Valerie and I didn't have this modeled for us in our homes growing up. Um, and so we're working it out, right? We would both agree with this pa- these passages that I've shared with you this morning, um, but um, we're, we're not always there. And, and there's, there's some stuff we're going to talk about where husbands, husbands need to do as well, and that's what I mean when we're not always there. I'm not there, she's not there, but we're failing forward in Christ together. All right, let's move on to this next one. Beauty is skin deep. And here's what the Word of God says. Beauty comes from within. Just doing some really basic research online, I found that um, the average woman spends $15,000 in her lifetime on makeup and $250,000 overall in her lifetime on looks. And I know, what, ladies, what you're thinking. We could do way better than this. But hold on. Let's let's look at um, a verse from the Lord here. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not judge by appearances or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearances. But the Lord looks at the heart. Now, lady, ladies, just hang on to that makeup comment I made. Just let it lie. Don't cancel me yet because I'm going to get back to that, okay? So as I was thinking through this verse, um, I don't know if you remember, this is when uh, the prophet Samuel is basically an anointing uh, David uh, to become king. And then that actually draw, drew me back to Ruth, okay? Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, I don't know if you guys remember this story, but, but essentially, I think David would have been, Ruth would have been David's great-great-grandmother, or I might have that off a little bit, but they're, they're related. And um, the story goes like this. Um, Naomi, uh, Naomi's husband dies. They're in a, in a foreign land. Um, she's got daughters and, and two son-in-laws. Both the son-in-laws die. 
And so she kind of throws her hands up in the air and says, hey, I, I need to go back to my homeland, homeland. I need to go back toward Bethlehem. And uh, one of the, and he says, girls, look, th- you know, this is not a time when you want to be fending for yourself. Um, so if you go with me, you're probably not going to find another husband. You need to go back to your homeland. And let's just, you know, every woman for themselves, I'll go my way, you go yours. And one of the, one of the, her daughter-in-laws uh, does that. But Ruth says in Ruth uh, 1.16, she says to Naomi, Naomi, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from following after you. She says, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. And so she goes with, she goes with Naomi and Naomi ends up in, in a field gleaning for food, and Boaz spies her, and he gives her favor. Now, she comes to Boaz and says, Boaz, why, why have you given me this favor? And he says, I've heard about you and Naomi. I've heard about how you did not go back to your own family. You stayed loyal to, to Naomi. You came to a land that you did not know to seek refuge under the one true God of Israel. In other words, Boaz was attracted to Naomi's heart. And it's a really cool story. I encourage you guys to read it. Uh, but here's what old Peter has to say about it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes, you should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious to God. All right, ladies, let me just clear the air here. This verse is not saying you cannot look your best. This verse is not saying, and hear it from me, ladies, you, you, you should not... You know, come go out into society or walk here into church like you just came from, from the morgue. That's not what this verse is saying. You, you should look your best. You should be in style. You should go get your hair did and your nails done. Have fun with that. That's, that's great. What this is saying is where real beauty comes from is from within. So, uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 Therefore, whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, do all things for the glory of God. So here's just a question you, you, you can ask yourself, ladies, and that's, whose glory am I doing it for? Whose image am I trying to project? The image of of myself or the image of my creator God. So ask yourself that, you know, also look your best, but there is that, there is that idea of modesty. And I'm not going to sit up here and try to tell you what, where that line is. I think, men, we know it when we see it. Ladies, you probably know it as well. Um, we want to dress in a way that doesn't cause other people, other, other people to stumble um, in, their, in their walk with Christ. All right, let's move on to this next one. Patriarchy is evil. 
Well, um, sure, I think we, could, we can agree with this. Doesn't, is it always evil? No. But can it be evil? Certainly. Matriarchy could be evil as well, I think. Um, I was looking at, up some stats on, I think it's Mary I, Queen Mary I, who's known as Bloody Mary. Um, she had, I think it was 280, in, this is in the 1500s, 280 uh, Protestant Christians burned at the stake. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says godly men do exist. Godly men can lead and should lead. And especially as it's related to the family. Let's take a look at this verse. In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wives with understanding as you live together. Husbands, treat your wives with understanding. Love your wives. This is really the authority that we've been given that we, w- we would use it to love our wives. Let's look at another scripture here. Oh, wait, this isn't scripture. This is Bob Marley. All right, let's take a look at what Bob Marley said. I think it's going to work anyway. I want to love you and treat you right. I want to love you every day and every night. We'll be together with a roof right over our heads. We'll share the shelter of my single bed. We'll share the same roof. Yeah, for Jah, provide the bread. I can't do a Jamaican thing either. But what's Bob saying here? What are these lyrics saying? I want to love you. The, the title of this song, by the way, is, um, what is it? I want to, uh, someone, someone knows it. Is this love? The title should be, this is love. Instead of, is this love? This is love. I want to love you. I want to, I want to treat you right. I want to commit to you. I want to be with you every day and every night. I want to spend time with you. I want to give you shelter, and I'm going to lead you spiritually. That Jah is, is Rasta for God. Um, I, want to, I want to lead you spiritually. God will provide for us. Man, are we doing this. You know, sometimes the culture has a, a few good things to say, right? Let's get back to the Word of God instead of Bob Marley here. I think this verse in Ephesians 5, 21 through 26 kind of wraps up these last few points. And further, submit to one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as the Lord, as to the, as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is a savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. I don't really think I have to say any more than that. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. You know, back to that idea of I can, I can do whatever I want, right? That nobody can control me. Well, it's kind of an illusion, isn't it? We're all, we're all under control. We're all under control of Almighty God, willingly, or under the control of the enemy. That's the two choices. There's no gray area for a Christian. And this, these, these verses we've been going through, these are for the church. These are for believers. These 
these verses aren't, aren't to go value signal the world and try to get them to change the way they're doing it because they're, they're not going to. They're going to continue to press up against us and we are to be holy and set apart that when they see us, even if it calls us to suffer, you know, when I, when I am trying to love Valerie the way I ought to love her, I have to deny myself because I'm a selfish guy. She has to not deny her desire to want to rule over me, right? We have to suffer through this. That's part of our sanctification. It's part of walking with Jesus. All right, let's move on. Number four, men and women are the same. Well, the Bible would declare men and women are equal. I'm not going to get into the whole men and women are the same thing too much, and we'll share a scripture with you here shortly, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice trying to argue some of these things that are really just silly, because who knows, you know, this, this wouldn't have been a controversial statement five minutes ago in, in terms of history, right? And now all of a sudden, facts are, are controversial. So let's, let's actually look at the verse here. In 1 Peter 3, verse 7, She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. What's Peter saying here? He's simply stating the obvious that physically women are less strong than men, on average, of course. He's also saying that there's no difference between men and women in terms of the eyes of God, that, that women are um, just as valuable, that women uh, are equal heirs to God's grace, to God's throne room. And then he talks about prayer. And I, I think this is important, husbands and wives, don't expect to go to the Trinitarian God who's perfect in relationship, one God in essence, three God in persons like we learned about last week. And if you're uncertain about uh, what I'm even talking about, you can go to PursueGod.org and check that message out. But don't expect to go to this God of, of perfect relationship in prayer effectively if you and your wife can't, can't work things out, aren't working things out. Make it right with your wife first and then go to God in prayer. And this last one, oh, pardon me. This is the, the scripture I wanted to talk about in terms of some of these things that we, we just do ourselves a disservice around engaging the world in. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. So yeah, do we need to, do we need to gauge, engage culture, engage the world around every single one of these ideas that is opposed to Scripture? Not necessarily. We just need to live our lives in a way that is holy and set apart. All right, let's move on. This last one, Christians are divided. The Bible says Christians unite. Let's take a look 
at the next scripture here. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. The world is always going to sensationalize the division of the church. Certainly there is division. And um, I think it does break God's heart when, when churches divide over, over minor things. Some of the division is necessary um, over major doctrinal points. But just because the world says we're divided, that doesn't mean we are. I don't know if you remember um, Peter. Um, he's, with, he's with Jesus. This is chapter, Matthew chapter 16. And um, Jesus comes to Peter and says, hey, who do you say that I am, right? And Peter replies, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answers, answers him and says, Peter, the son of John, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So regardless of what culture is telling us about the church, we know that the church will prevail. And, we, and what's going on in the church outside of our four, four walls here? Well, certainly we need to look to be charitable with other Christians, but we, we need to focus on each other here. Our part is right here. We must unite. We must love each other. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give you, this is Jesus, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also love one another. And what is love? Corinthians 13, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Church, let's love each other. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, God, we recognize that you are good. We trust you, Lord. Lord, we know um, there's so many areas that every day we, we sin against you, God, and, and so we're sorry that we allow the culture to affect us more than your word does. Lord, help us. Give us um, hearts that want to know you more, that really just burn to know you more, Lord, that we would be in prayer, that we would be in your word, and that we would trust you, that we would not be like the world, Lord, and have to learn a hard, the hard way, that we would not be like fools, Lord, but we would have the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, and just take you at your word, God, I pray, Lord, for um, people here this morning who, who maybe are feeling convicted around this, Lord, who need to come to you and just repent and, and receive your forgiveness and your love. For those that have um, coming out of broken relationships, God, for them to receive um, 
your, your forgiveness, Lord, and, and, and for them to allow you to take any guilt or any shame and just move forward, Lord, in who you are in your goodness. Help us love our neighbors, Lord. Help us love each other. Help us trust you more, love you more every day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.